Any hoot. Um, do we want to get started then? Sure. Okay. I'm good to go. Okay. I'm good to noodle. What? Nothing else. I was just trying it out. Yeah, keep that one in your bag. <laughs> and then when, as soon as you get home, throw it away. No, I'm going to eat the noodle. Throw it away in the trash. Eat it. <laughs> Back to the green light. The green light podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Episode I'm gonna, ten. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to that later and just Cringe. sob, just <laughs> sob openly. Episode ten. Episode. Wow! What a what a huge milestone we have going on right We've here. Been I'm doing so this pumped. For two and a half months. We really have. Wow. And well, I guess we kind of been doing it for longer because we recorded, recorded those episodes beforehand. in like March, right? Yeah. Wow. Because we recorded when uh when it was UNC spring break. Mm-hmm. And Ellie was here. Wow. Yeah. Shout that's out Ellie. Crazy. Our first Ellie recurring Baker, guest. The of, OG. Of our recurring writer, I guess, because we've had a yeah, bunch yeah, of recurring yeah. guests, i.e. all of our housemates. Once again, yes. shout out to all of you. Wow. So what do we guys. do here, Lauren? What do we do on this podcast? Well, if you're new here, then mm-hmm. we read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the awesome people who wrote them. And mm-hmm. if you're old here, then... <laughs> We also then do that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Also, just a nice little shout out for those who are old. You know, the elderly. I did that too. Well. <sighs> gonna, Stay safe. Up. Stay I'm safe out there. Yep. Stay safe out there, folks, as yeah. we know. Um. So. Yeah. Is it is it time? Do we? So do we you do might this? have noticed we just said it's episode ten, mm-hmm. and if you have been keeping up on our last few episodes, which once again, thank you, <laughs> thank you, and also our social media. You know that we owe you a big announcement. So yes, can we, we do. get a drum roll, please. We're launching our Patreon! So, if you're new to the concept of Patreon, we are not because we have listened to podcasts before. Patreon is basically a platform where you can support artists and creators, whether they're podcasters, artists, musicians, writers. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, typically, in exchange for like bonus content, a lot yes. of the times. So this show will continue to be free, whether or not whether you give us money or not through mm-hmm. Patreon, or we're also going to have a PayPal with tglsubmit at gmail.com to make one-time donations. Patreon is like a monthly thing, so you can sign up with different tiers to give one dollar, three dollars, five dollars, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we'll explain that in just a second. Yes, you can do that every month, um, and you would be charged for that once a month. Um, and yeah, you can. Go on the website and see more details. We'll put the link in the description. But basically, uh, what we kind of want to go over is what we would be doing with that money. So um, first and foremost, we want to be able to spend more of our time doing this as opposed to our our day jobs to bring Mm -hmm. you a better show. For sure. So that means spending more time reaching out to writers and getting more scripts, reading more scripts. Doing more social media stuff. Yeah, potentially reaching out to more actors. Growing the podcast. Right. And something that would also allow us to reach out to more actors and more people is if we were able to get more mics. So right mm-hmm. now we have an awesome mic, courtesy of Nicholas Bafia. Thank you, Nick. Um, we would love to eventually get more mics so we can record somewhere that's not a closet mm-hmm. and have equal, if not even better, audio quality. That would also allow us to reach out to actors that we don't know, mm-hmm. who you know would be more willing to come record with us in a room, <laughs> as opposed to a closet. And if we can financially compensate them for it, exactly. as well as our writers, we really hope to get to a point where we can do that. Exactly, because we want to value their work and talent mm-hmm. and art. Absolutely, and we do, and that's 
the point of this podcast. Absolutely. But we want to be do that financially because it's hard out there. It's yeah. Hard. So we'll just do a quick little rundown of like some of the content you can expect to get if you yeah. sign up for Patreon. Exactly. So it's we have uh, a it is one. Two, three, four, five different tiers that you can sign up at. Lowest is $1, highest is $50, which is a lot, but you get a lot with that $50. Absolutely. So it includes things like just bonus interview stuff or just overflow from our general episodes. Yeah. Kind of like the episode that we had with Michael where he talked about anime. That's sort of at the lowest tier where you can get stuff, just stuff like that, just overflow from our episode. One of the things I'm most excited about that's just the next tier up, $5 a month, is our green lit episodes. So what these are going to be is we, Lauren and I, are going to watch a nostalgic movie from our childhood. It could be like a a, a kid's movie or it could just be something that we enjoyed. And we are going to pair that with a nice alcoholic beverage. And then we are going to, immediately after we watch it, come on, discuss it with said alcoholic beverage. And it's just going to be a great time. That's going to be once a month. And we will release our first one publicly, just so you can get a feel for what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, We are going to be doing That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana, the most ambitious crossover of all time. Yes, and we are are so thrilled for that. So that's going to be free, just to give you a little taste. And then other things include longer form content, bonus episodes, like uh, full-length scripts, radio plays, things like that. There's a tier where you can... Uh, give us a detour that we have to watch and not have to, we get to. We get, we get to, to watch, watch and, comment, and on comment on it on the episode. And finally, for the biggest tier, the $50 tier, if you love us that much, you get to come on the show. Yeah. You get to come on. You get to uh, watch something. We'll watch something as well. The same thing. And you get to talk about it uh, on our detour segment every Yay. week. So that's just a little taste of the things we have on Patreon. There's more. But we, we yeah, it's just a place to have bonus content and a really great opportunity to, you know, lend your support, which we could very much use and very, very much appreciate. Absolutely. We just appreciate the support so far, you know? Yeah. Just, just listening and if you can't support us financially through Patreon, if you follow us on, or if you like us on Facebook, Instagram. Or just, rate and review on iTunes. Yeah, just engaging with us, sharing our posts, tell we a friend that. about us. That would be such a huge help. We would really appreciate it. And we just, we love you all for going with us on this journey. Yeah. This 10 episode journey. Thank you for sticking journey. around for 10 episodes. Exactly. We, we very much appreciate it. Thank you. So... That's sort of our big announcement. We hope it was worth it. Bonus <laughs> content. Think of it as more bonus content to Yay. consume. Greenlit. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Greenlit. All right. Now for the fun stuff. Now for the fun stuff. Now to get to our back to our regularly scheduled programming. Actually, back to our newly scheduled programming because we finally have some iTunes reviews to read. Yay! So Keep them coming. Keep this them is coming. just an example of what you can what you can do to to put yourself on this show. So, Lauren, do you want to start off with our first one? All right. Our first one is from Super Bafia Boy. No idea who that is. No entitled, clue. You Don't Know Pain, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <clears throat> Until you've had some kids record a podcast in their closet above your bedroom for months. Jackson, I don't want to make your giant head any bigger, so here's some roasting. Jackson is almost as good at acting as he is at Mario Party, and he's terrible at Mario Party. There's an asterisk that says Jax did win 50-turn Mario Party, but that doesn't count. Fair, fair. Then he goes back to uh, the review and says, I love Jackson and I love the pod. A pleasure to know these creative kids and happy to know they're making magic on the second floor of Mega House. So. Thanks, Super Bafia Boy. Super Bafia Boy. <laughs> could be Nick. Could be another one of our housemates just, <laughs> just pretending to, be, to Nick. be Nick. Yeah. But thank you so much for that review. We very much appreciate it. Thank you for commenting on my big head. It is huge. 
It is. That's a fact. And it's the a family trade. Fifty turn Mario Party was a what well, that was a trip. That was a fun time. I, I did not say. participate. Yeah, I'm maybe glad next I didn't. time. Maybe next no. time. No. <laughs> okay. So now for our second and final review from Hunter Alley, and I think this is from my friend Hunter. Hana, if you will. Hana. Title I'm here to roast. Asterix clears throat. <clears throat> Jackson. You're built like my kitchen table. Dense, beautifully crafted, and made out of wood, word, in parentheses. That's his middle name. Yes, Woodward is my middle name. <laughs> Just had to get that off my chest, but well wishes to you and Lauren with the podcast. So, Thanks, Hannah. Hannah, thank you so much. It, it's so great to to have some things to read, some, some reviews to read. So thank you so much to Hannah. Thank you so much to Nick. If you want your review to be read, feel free to roast Jackson or leave your detour of the week and we'll read it. Yes, we will. Just like we read these. Okay. So now we're going to talk about our detours of the week. Our detours of the week is something we've consumed over the past week. Movie, TV show, book, 10-year-old video game, audiobook, anything that you can imagine that we have consumed. Should I go first? Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. So, as many of the world has been watching... I, so too, watched <laughs> Hamilton the Musical, the recorded stage production of Ham- Hamilton the Musical on Disney+. Plus. Now, yes. full disclosure, Lauren and I were we did see lucky the enough. Broadway we did. Uh, and we, we were very, very, very fortunate yes. to get tickets right at the right time. We were able to get them for face value. Yeah. And it was, it was right before it got huge. So we were able to sort of see it in person back when it was first on Broadway. It was a transformative experience then. And now... Number one, I want to say a huge thing that I love about this is just the accessibility of theater. Let's just Yay. give some snaps for that. I, I am I am a, a fiend for theater accessibility, as I've mentioned yeah. before. And this is just another great way, because especially with these big Broadway shows, especially something as popular as Hamilton, there's such a barrier to be get, able to see it. For sure. And I hope this just continues a trend for this being more and more um, widely available for yeah, things like well, that. Well, and especially, too, you know... Hamilton is so big, like, people are still going to go see Hamilton. Yeah. But it was so hard to get tickets, you know, to see the original cast. It's oh, just sure. great that there is a recording out there of the original cast. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really, really cool experience. So, I'm going to start off. I, I cried. I did. I <laughs> cried many, ma- double digits uh, or <laughs> amounts of times I honestly cried at this musical. It's so beautiful. And the story is so great. The characters are so rich. Songs, bangers. Story, delightful. Acting, incredible. Writing, scrumptious. It was, it was, I did write that down. That wasn't off the dome. But it was, it was, it was all great. And to see it again was just a a, a lovely experience. Thank God we had all the lights off in the room when we watched it. Because I was literally sobbing my eyes out. It was, it was great. And like I said, the acting is great. And now... I know it's been going around on Twitter and on social media. Some people are dragging Lin-Manuel Miranda for his acting. And to a certain extent, I get it. I, I understand there are times where he definitely sort of comes off as maybe a bit of overacting. I personally, and this might just be bias because I was able to see it in person. I think that part of the overacting, whether intentional or not, really did was part of the character in a way like that mm-hmm. was Hamilton. He, he wore his heart on his chest. He emotions everywhere. You know, I think that was a part of he emotions everywhere. <laughs> yeah. He, he emotions everywhere. There was this picture going around of, uh, during it's quiet uptown when another song that that was the song I cried the most at for sure. But anywho, there's a song where, um, 
Philippasu, the actress playing Eliza, is right next to Lynn, and she had she has like this stone face with like a single tear coming down, and his face is just like twisted in like this anguish. And and people were using that as an example of like, you know, that's you know, well, he's so overacting, whatever. Which once again, I don't I don't know if that was intentional or not, but to me, that read as two different people going through grief in two different ways. Absolutely. Well, and I feel like the way Hamilton's portrayed in this show, Hamilton is someone who, like, feels with his whole self. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He does, yeah. Um, Another thing I wanted to say, I remember when the show first came out, a lot of criticism for Lin-Manuel Miranda was about his singing. Yeah. And I feel like the argument I always made was that, like, Hamilton in real life had a disadvantage because he was an immigrant and mm-hmm. he was not wealthy. Um, so I think that it's almost representative of wealth in a way that he is a rapper as opposed to a singer. Hmm. That he found an effective way to communicate that wasn't singing. That's really interesting. Like, I, never I, that. I mean, I again, I don't know if it's intentional, but sure. I found that to be a very symbolic thing because, you know, you have like characters like Aaron Burr who came mm-hmm. from wealthier families. And of course, Leslie Odom Jr. is an incredible singer. Yeah. And they always go toe-to-toe, you know? Mm -hmm. And Hamilton just communicates in a very different way Mm -hmm. from Aaron Burr. And I think, in in my mind, that's because they came from different backgrounds, and it just shows Hamilton's scrappiness in that. Yeah, young, scrappy, and hungry, as he says. So there's there's another thing that I would be remiss? Amiss? What's the proper word? Remiss, yeah, I think. Not to mention. And it's the fact that this... This portrayal does not really dive into some of the darker sides of the Founding Fathers' history. Yes. The fact that many of them were slave owners. A lot of those negative things that it doesn't dive into. And I think that's a valid criticism, and I think that's something that definitely should be talked about, because it's not talked about enough throughout our history books, throughout just our learning when we're young and coming up. But to a certain extent, I don't think that's what Hamilton is trying to do. I, I, I think there, I, I read this awesome Vox article that sort of talks about Hamilton really is like a fan fiction. It's like a way for Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, people of color to sort of reclaim this narrative through like a new lens. And you see that because all of the actors, all of the lead actors, of course, are people of color besides King George. But that's intentional right. that he's white. So and, uh, Samuel Sabery. Yes. And once again, another villain. Um, but it's it's sort of a, a way to reclaim it. And to, at the end of the day, it's not meant to be perfectly historically accurate. And, and I think if we try to view it through that lens, of course, it's not going to be exactly up to what it was, you know? Yeah. And, well, and, and this is a much like... longer conversation that yeah. we could talk about for a long time. We but talked about just this my... last night. We did. It was 2 a.m. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but, you know, what better time to have a deep discussion about it? But, art. you know, but I mean, if you're listening to this and you're confused because your history classes taught you nothing, as most of ours did, mm-hmm. um, and you feel like, oh, I don't understand why the Founding Fathers were so racist, I highly recommend reading Stamp from the Beginning, which mm-hmm. I am reading right now. It, yep. Everyone is racist. Yeah. Everyone in history is racist. That you yeah. Love. And I, I think I think another one more thing about that, and um, I'll move on to one more quick point before Lauren does her detour. But I think it we can't rely on other people to educate us in those ways. We have to rely on ourselves. As we and we especially can't rely on people of color to educate us on issues like that. You know, it's not their job. We should be doing the work on our own. And you know, to a certain extent. You could argue, sure, portraying them in a way that spreads it to so many people could be damaging, but that's a larger conversation. I said my two cents. Yada, yada. 
So, one more thing. I love how the ending... So, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Hamilton, fast forward 15 seconds. The ending really gives Eliza a stage that, like, is so beautiful and so perfect. Mm-hmm. And I, so someone made this comment, I think it's out on Twitter or something, that the musical is called Hamilton, and it's it's not called Alexander Hamilton, and I... Probably intentionally. Because... At the end, you realize that it's almost just as much Eliza's story as it is Alexander's story. Yeah. You know? And and just all the things that she did. Ah, Philippa Sue is so good. She's so good. She's so good. The acting is incredible. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to... I'm going to start crying again, so I won't. But just wanted to bring that point up. Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Watch it. It's really great. It's a great way that theater is becoming more accessible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's do more. Okay. Lauren. All right. I did just realize um, we might have to make... We were going to talk about Spirited Away as our together detour, but yeah. we might need to make that a bonus thing. So, you, yay, more bonus content. True. For you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my detour of the week, I finally started Westworld. I've been meaning to watch Westworld from the moment we got HBO in this house. <laughs> yeah. When it was split... You know, it's now split between seven people, but it was split between five people, mm-hmm. which is more affordable than the $15 a month. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Westworld. If you don't know the concept of it, um, it is a sci-fi show about a West, like an Old West theme park, essentially, filled with robot hosts, like AI hosts, where uh, wealthy people come to live out their fantasies that are often violent or heroic. Um, so, essentially, when someone first goes to Westworld, right... They, they go in and they can choose whether or not to be a white hat or a black hat. So they literally choose a white or black cowboy hat, meaning that, you know, they're probably going to go the hero route or the villain route in their, um, I guess, quest. And you can walk through, you can interact with any of the people in Westworld you want, and they will lead you on all these different storylines. Um, so the problem is that... Um, the robots are starting to become aware of their surroundings. Um, in the very first episode, there's an update, uh, like a, a software update that allows them to sort of have some semblance of access to their like former selves when they've been, you know, basically rebooted each day as new guests come in and they sort of start their loop over. Um, so they start to become more or less aware of the nature of the world they're in and the nature of who they are and what everyone around them is doing. Um, which is, of course, very concerning for the people who run the park, but really interesting for us. Um, yeah, what else? Yeah, it's just it's just a very cool idea, and it really brings to mind um, what the future of, like, AI rights hmm. could look like. Yeah. And, you know, is it... If you know something is a robot, does that make it okay to, like, viciously murder it? You know what I mean? Hmm. Like especially so, when it's a robot so close to a normal human exactly, being. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. So I just think that's a really cool thing. I'm only four episodes in, and they're hour long episodes, so I'm four hours in. <laughs> um, and in addition, I also wanted to talk about Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is incredible in everything he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in this, I just think his character is so interesting. He's sort of the person who had the original concept of Westworld and first went about designing all of these characters and he's now the park director. Um, And he's just so good because on one hand, you know, he's like, you want him to be the one to see his vision through because it's his project and his thing. And like, there are people who want to do all these tacky shows with a bunch of native Americans that like, aren't 
as good maybe and he wants to do this deeper narrative but then at the same time he definitely sees the robots as purely robots you know and he doesn't have a problem with people like at one point he just goes up and like takes a scalpel to someone's head just to be like see they they don't feel anything you know and it's just like i just don't know if i should root for him or not and that's that's just really great on his part um and then you know there's also this whole intrigue of a deeper level in the game so um ed harris's character is he's just called like the man in the black hat um so we so know he's bad. yeah so we <laughs> know he's in real life a philanthropist at one point someone sees him in westworld and recognizes him and was like oh your foundation saved my sister's life and he's like shut up i'm on vacation <laughs> shut up don't do not speak to me about my real life um but it's interesting because he's clearly at least pretends to be a very good guy in real life, but in Westworld, he's like horrible. <laughs> he he mm. kills people just for fun, you know, and he is seeking a deeper level in the game. It's like a maze he's heard about and it's something we like, I'm not at a point where I really know what it is yet, but it's something that he says has higher stakes. Maybe you can actually die. I think that he's looking for like, a version of this where he can be even more depraved. Um, but it's just really intriguing. Um, the visuals are beautiful. There's this awesome juxtaposition between the old West and like the super high tech sci-fi. Mm. Um, it's very, very good. Uh, I will say if you're queasy about violence and also lots of nudity, um, cause <laughs> the robots for the most part, when they're not like in Westworld, they just have them be nude. Just because they're like, I mean, they're like robots, you know? Sure. It's like, it would be like having a naked Barbie doll around. Sure. Um, So, yeah. So if you're queasy about that, you know, maybe, maybe not the show for you, but I just think it's incredible so far. It really draws you in from the first moment and you can watch it on HBO Max. Yes. Okay. That's Ooh. half an hour of an yeah, introduction. Yeah, that's so much. Um, so, um, but I mean, this is our 10th episode. Do we want to include it all? Okay. Maybe. Maybe. We'll talk. We'll yeah. talk after. Um, so anyway, so this <laughs> week we are going to be reading The News Cycle by Ben Howard. Mm -hmm. It is a, a dark comedy. It is satirical. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. And we'll be back. We'll be back. Everybody, welcome back to the green light. Green light. Green light. Green light? Yes. <laughs> I don't think Blake's been in here since we've like made that an official. We do it. Yeah, every this is segment. a new bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Blake, congrats on joining the new bit. Uh, as you know, I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. We have Blake Benson here today, as you all know. Hello, hello. And we have William Leach here. Back, back, back again. As well, yes, sir. Uh, so today we are reading the play. The New Cycle by Ben Howard. And for episode 10. Episode 10. The centenary Milestone. episode, as Blake said earlier. Yeah, episode 10. We've been doing this for 100 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like you're a writer or anything, you know? I didn't know that centennial meant 10th until I was this many years old. Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh. That's the joke. It doesn't. <laughs> it, it's ah! like 100. Yep. I'm dumb. Yep. I there, love that. Therein lies the humor. Of this. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, without further ado, uh, let's do a little bit of just who, what we're going to be doing. So I, Jackson, am going to be reading various male roles a couple throughout. 
Uh, I, Lauren, will be playing two anchor women who are cookie cutters, perfect cutouts of a media pundit, the embodiment of everything is fine on cable news. Uh, Blake, I'll be reading for the production manager, the embodiment of the establishment in cable news. And I am Will, and I'll be reading Action Lines. Stage yes. directions. Stage directions this time. It's a play. Shit. This is my <laughs> moment. <laughs> Hi, I'm Will, and I'll be reading Stage Directions. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out. I refuse to. <laughs> Alrighty, I guess then without further ado, let's dive right in. The News Cycle, a 10-minute play by Ben Howard. Setting. A newsroom with a standard wide table, digital background, wide cameras, and other news filming equipment for a cable news network show. The scrolling background reads the title of the news network, America in Modest. This newsroom is the blandest of the bland and the most moderate of the moderate in both layout and color scheme. At Rise, America in Modest Newsroom, 3.47 a.m., Monday morning. There is a small ember flaying out behind the desk. Production extras are all rushing about trying to get everything ready for the broadcast, taping out cable, checking mics, etc., etc. Meanwhile, Todd, the intern, is trying to put out the fire as discreetly as he can, which isn't much. Enter production manager along with anchor woman number one. Production manager is confident, looking about a ship well kept and maintained. Anchor woman one is nervous. This is their first day after screen testing and their first truly live broadcast. Production manager is rattling off proper decorum, neutral stances, and other etiquette for newscasters. Now, I know the brief didn't cover everything that happened in the past 12 hours, so bear with me while I run this down with you. Wall Street is currently being set on fire by protesters. Yeah, I know, I know, we'll have time to hash out a narrative later. But, the important thing to consider is, how is the Rust Belt dealing with it? I got the graphics team to draft something up, and it's gonna demonstrate how many people are tired of fighting. So keep this number in mind. 33%. 33. Alright? That's one third. One third of the country is going to be on nobody's side, which is the market we play to. Not on the side of the protesters, nor on the police, which is good. It means we're staying on target here. So, it's going to be the first breaking news segment with the clan acquiring the state capital, what their demands are, how many good people are actually in the clan, oh yeah, current tolls taken on by the ongoing virus pandemic, and what scientists are possibly over-exaggerating. Also, try not to let any of the no news get you down. The person before you made a bit of a mess of things earlier, in case you didn't hear. Hey, you get any of that? Is something smoking in here? Like it's on fire or something? No, nothing's on fire. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Is there an issue here or do I need to find No, there's not an issue here, okay? There aren't any fires or anything to put out. Somebody just probably made popcorn in the break room or something. But the break room was all the way back there. Hey, believe what you want to believe, but there's no fire. And if there is one, it's not as bad as you think it is. But doesn't that kind of run against the idea of an objective truth of there being a fire in the first place? If I can just believe whether or not there is a fire, and even if there is one, it's probably not doing anything, then why do anything? I have some Exactly. Issues with that. If you have issues, now is certainly not the time to raise them. But I. But what? Tell me again what it is you wanted in that screen test. I don't see what this has to do with my computer. Tell me what it is that you wanted in that screen test. I want to hear it again. I. I wanted to be the one telling the news. I wanted to be the trusted face that people could come home to, get some sense of comfort and stability from the world. Yes, good, good. I like that. Stability. Keep that in your pocket. Now, tell me, what are we going to do in the next several minutes? Report the news. Think bigger than that. What are you about to do for all those people watching you at home from all sides of the aisle? Tell them there is no fire. 
And if there is one, it's, it's not, not as bad as they, as they think, think it is. It is. I, I think I get it. I'm glad we're finally speaking the same language. Remember what old Walter used to say. Keep, Keep it, it modest, modest America. America. Thanks. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Now, go tell the news. We're on an eight. Production manager goes to a directing chair behind the camera and puts on a headset with attached microphone. Anchor woman number one crosses to behind the desk and finds Todd, the intern, working manically behind the desk, snuffing the last flames and embers out. Hot damn that burned! What burned? What? Pause. The production manager's glaring daggers at him. Oh, I meant... That sure did, uh... Churn? Churn my pain receptors? Because, wow, I just... He rams his foot into the desk. Ah, stop my toe! Oh, fuck, oh my god, that actually hurt that <laughs> Oh, god, the pain! Oh, god, no, shh, 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 shh. It's oh, okay. Jeez, it's okay. Hey, actually, hey, please look at me. It's, it's gonna it be alright. After Todd stubs his toe, he jumps around holding his knee up, trying to soothe the pain. While anchor woman number one is trying to calm him down, Todd starts knocking things off the desk, knocking over lights, etc., etc., Finally, Todd falls on the floor in front of the desk, and Anchorwoman 1 goes over to him. Hey, hey, please look at me. It's going to be all right. You don't need to just hop around like that. No need to... Oh, oh God, he fell down. Uh, are you all right? Are you going to be okay? I really think I dislocated my toe. No, he didn't. I retract my statement. What? No, you don't. And now I don't. Let me handle this, please. Remember the mantra. You... You're right. You're going to be fine, because you probably didn't dislocate your toe. It's probably just a little bruised, all right? You know, your absolute lack of conviction in any absolute truth is inspiring. Really, truly it is. I hope you stay around here for a long time. Knock him dead on the air. Uh, wow, I... Uh, thank you. That's very kind of you. What's your name? My name's Todd. Todd the Intern. Oh, okay. That's not your last name, right? What, the Intern? Oh, no. That's just a title I have accepted as a result of allowing my value to be determined by the place I work at, and thus allowing my employers to further exploit me for my labor. I'm sorry, what? Nothing. He said his last name was hard to pronounce. Production manager begins rushing Todd off stage. Okay, that just spelled oddly specific as well. We have two minutes and 37 seconds before we're slated for the air. Do you really want to go on speaking the truth right now? I, I guess I don't. Spoiler alert, you don't. Yes, thank you. They walk back to their manager chair as anchorwoman number one goes to their station as they're walking back. Word of advice, and I know you already know this, but don't show any emotion on that camera. Play to the 33%. Got it? General American, I know. Lights change as anchorwoman number one sits behind the desk getting ready, reviewing their notes. Production extras move into position with lights, cameras, etc. Todd, the intern, comes back on behind production manager trying to be quiet. Graphics on the screen behind Anchorwoman number one begin to change into the logo for America in Modest. As production manager begins the countdown to live broadcast along with the sound of the announcement of America in Modest. We are live in five, four, three, two, one. Live from our Cincinnati, Ohio studio, this is America in Modest. Good morning, nation. I am Lauren, your host this morning. It is currently four in the morning on this beautiful day in Cincinnati, and it looks like the east, south, and west coasts are supposed to be getting some historic rainfall and tropical storm formations, the likes of which have never been seen by climate scientists. More on that later in the hour, but the good news right now, companies are doing everything they can. The first item up for our breaking news segment are the protests at Wall Street over the past 48 hours following the record federal bailout of massive banking firms such as Bank of America and Wells Fargo. 
Many protesters have cited their claims of the alleged bailouts being distributed to the top executives of these companies. To get a more complete version of the story, however, we check in with our gracious sponsor, the current CEO of Bank of America. On one of the screens adjacent to the news desk, we see a recording of Ken Lewis play on the screen, news panel style. He is stone-faced, ready for the hard questions, but it's all a facade. Good morning to you, Mr. Lewis. Good morning to you, too. Really great-looking suit you've got on for your first broadcast, by the way. Oh, uh, wow, thanks. Uh, now, obviously, people are rather upset with your board's decision to advocate more for bonuses and emergency pay for both you and your top executives at the bank. While many working-class families are not seeing the same benefits and claim they aren't seeing any emergency bailouts at all, police cars have been set on fire, bank windows have been busted, and many are chanting, enough is enough. Yet, a recent poll at Gallup found that a third of the country is tired of the infighting and merely wish for the country to return to peace. What are your thoughts on the matter, Mr. Lewis? Thank you for that question, Anna. What? Wow. What a nice question, by the way. Can I just say, really beats having people yell at you, you know? Uh, yes, yes, it's just... I mean, these people. They're not sending their best out of this movement, you know? People stomping on police cars, you know, they're breaking windows, and I... they're rude, you know? You know what one of these protesters yelled at me? I said, do you know what one of these protesters yelled at me? I'm sorry, Mr. Lewis. What did they say? They said, we demand living wages. I mean, what? What kind of sentiment is that? How radical is that? Just letting everybody have the opportunity to have a wage that can afford them basic amenities? That completely destroys my... I mean, our American dream, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I... I can certainly see both sides of the issue here. And the rest of the media just loves enabling these people, saying, if you didn't take advantage of the bailouts and leave your workers out to dry, causing an inevitable class uprising against a wealthy and powerful elite that has been sucking the reserves of the federal government dry for decades, we wouldn't be here. And that, that's just insanity to me. Isn't it to you? Yes, I believe in, in, in everything, in moderation, including um, human rights. Exactly! I mean, if we just keep giving poor people with no money more money, where's my money by the end of it? Think about it. We say we care for the plights of poor people. Philanthropic rich people such as myself already donate millions of dollars to feed the hungry, find homes for the homeless, and generally care for the well-being of my fellow man. Why change that system? I said, why change that system? Oh, right. R right, Mr. Lewis. There are definitely uh, two sides to every story. Thank you for talking to us this morning. We hope we can continue to graciously represent you in the media, Mr. Lewis. Both myself and the investors look forward to that representation. Thank you. Video recording shuts off. Default to America in Modest screen. Um, are we still recording? I just... Going live to Grand Dragon Charleston in five, four, oh, okay. three, two, one. Okay, we're still doing this. Okay, two, okay. Wow, I just gotta one. make compromises here. Okay, I can do this. Screen now jumps to recording of Grand Dragon Charlson standing by with his hood hanging behind his head. He looks pensively pissed and pissedly pensive. In the video, he is standing in front of a burning cross that is positioned in front of a government building with other armed clansmen with assault rifles. Joining us live now in from the state capitol in Ohio, here is Grand Dragon Charlson. He is an an accomplished member of the KKK, and while he has been noted for his dedication to the the cause, he has also been a reg regular contributor to local security. I it just... Who wrote for the teleprompter? Like, I just... That's truly... Back on screen. Sorry about that. Uh, technical difficulties. So, 
Grand Dragon Charleston, we had some questions for you this morning, but first I just wanted to say that the thank you for being on the program with us. Well, of course. I always have a good time on the show with y'all. You doing okay this morning? Normally the other hosts don't have this hard of a time. Oh, with their no, guests. no, no. It's just I smelled something in our studio. Kind of like something was burning. Burning? I know a thing or two about that, actually. You know, with the cross burners and all. Oh, no, no. We're God, very nothing good like at that. burning something crosses. Just burned popcorn in one of our offices, so that's why I was reacting the way I did. Oh. Why is someone making popcorn in your studio right now? Oh, man, I don't know. Got me there, Duke. It's Dragon. Grand Dragon, actually. Oh. Um. You know what? No, we're not both sizing this issue, right? Like, we're not seriously giving the fucking clan a platform Whoa, for them to speak, right? Whoa, hey, what right? an unkempt mouth you have Oh, oh my unkempt mouth. Your whole occupation is yelling slurs at people you don't like, in case you didn't see the irony there. Oh, Christ. We have another personal conviction scenario on our hands, folks. Prepare for the replacement. What are you doing? You are antagonizing our guest on air. Oh, we're supposed to be worried about antagonizing the antagonists of America? Can you please elaborate as to why it suddenly became political to attack white supremacists? You know, maybe we wouldn't have so much moral ambiguity with these issues if you were willing to call shit like it is. As fucking evil. While Anchor Woman number one is going on their diatribe, the extras scramble to find the conflict resolution device. Production manager waits patiently, like they've seen this play out before. Meanwhile, Anchor Woman number one marches around the studio playing to the camera. That's it. No good people on that side. No extenuating circumstances that make people racist as hell. Just awful people. That's it. Maybe the clan wouldn't look so attractive to people if we didn't decide to make their plight so complex and relatable like they were a fucking Sopranos character. You're going to regret this. You really are. Now, this is some fake news right here. Everyone has a story, including us. We're human. You don't just get like it. You. you really don't get it, do you? You don't get to play the, well, I'm a human too card just because someone is calling you out on horrific crimes against other humans. You and other people like yourself terrorize people not like you for the sake of your own empowerment and ethnocentric interests. And you can't even comprehend the idea of others having rights similar to yours because that strips you of your power. You have sacrificed your own humanity by stripping others of their humanity. So don't, don't even degrade all of us other humans by calling this yourself that. This is so that. beyond hypocritical. You and Antifa constantly ask for free speech, yet censor us. Oh my like you god, you were really stuck on Antifa, huh, asshole? Guess what? We went to war with fascists 70 years ago. Nobody in Antifa is asking for people not to speak their mind. They're, they're stopping people like you from making sure that only your voice rules the government. It's almost like the irony just slips right off you like popsicles on a stick during the summer. Except, guess what? Wow. People like fucking popsicles, oh, and they don't great, like you. Great, Hope your advertisers like this rant from this newscaster, asshole. Grand Dragon Charleston signing out. He tries putting on his hood, but fails a few times, and then finally storms off to the crowd of other clansmen. Video feed shuts off. After the video feed with Charleston shuts off, we see video projections of Anchor Woman number one looking down the barrel of the camera, staring dumbfounded. They didn't expect this. They take a moment. Wow. Um, okay. Normally this is where we would cut to commercial break, except... This isn't normal programming. None of this is normal. I wish I, I wish we could just say it was, but it's not, clearly. Sometimes it might be easier to just sweep it under the rug and say, oh, well, that's politics, and go about our lives buying the same shit, saying the same shit, and ultimately not giving a shit. Except you and I can't afford to do that anymore, can we? Half of America right now is living paycheck to paycheck. Half of us. 
look to the person on your left and look to the person on your right. If you don't have that, then uh, just go outside and look at people walking. Chances are that person may not even have enough to keep gas on in their homes. Yet that's just business as usual, right? Classical American dream. Great when it works for them. Works for people like me. I was told America and Modest was a news network made for people like me. People who wanted to see both sides of everything. On this, we see one of the extras find the conflict resolution device, i.e. a tranquilizer gun, and they begin sacrosanctly handing it off to other extras down a long line until it finally reaches the production manager. That everyone has stories worth telling, but... We see smoke drift across the stage, faint light of fire off stage. Production manager has snuck up behind anchorwoman number one, aiming the tranquilizer gun at the back of their head and fires into the back of their head, cutting them off mid-sentence. Christ alive. What a show. Hope that helped ratings. All right, someone get the replacement and cut to commercial. Get us off the feed. Christ, that was a gamble. Hope that worked. Hey, can someone get Sleeping Beauty out of here and take them out back? We need an NDA stat. One of the extras rushes over, drags Anchorwoman number one off stage. It takes a hot minute. Production manager hurries them along. After that, production manager looks off stage to see extra coming along with replacement. They run to them. Anchorwoman number two comes on stage. So I don't know if anyone gave you a briefing yet or not, but here's what happens in the last 12 hours. I'm, I'm sorry, is it smoky? No, here? no, there is no smoke. And repeat after me. There is no fire. Say it. There is no fire. End of play. Okay. I tried to do it. See, I did it soft in the first time we tried okay, to do this. Okay. Now I'm just doing it really fast. Yep. Uh, we are here with our writer of the week, Ben Howard, the playwright. I was about to say writer. I don't know. The Our writer of I the mean, week of the works. news cycle. And yeah. uh, welcome, Ben. Hi. Nice to be here. Glad to have you here. How are you doing today on this? It's a Sunday, the day we're recording this. So how is your Sunday going so far? Um, it's going pretty good. Um... You know, like I was saying a minute ago, it's really just kind of like the days sort of blending into this weird amalgamation of like, oh, right, yesterday was a holiday versus like, I guess I go to work today. Like, <laughs> so that's kind of the it's kind of the general vibe. Work for. is the only thing that's keeping ha allowing me to keep track of the days. Otherwise, yeah. I would it could be a Tuesday, a Friday. It days don't matter, yeah. truthfully. Truly up until yesterday I was unemployed for three and a half months. So Jackson working was really the only thing that was keeping me <laughs> I was, straight. Um. <laughs> the old the old it's clock like, over here. Yeah. It's like someone's relative approximation of like, oh right, my roommate or like my friend's going to work today. So I guess I have to like keep up with them and make sure they're not dead exactly cool. yeah. exactly it's like okay i know it's a weekday i can pare it down from there i need to yeah. check up with them <laughs> you know it's it's a whole thing um but all right ben uh, how about we uh, start how about you start us off and just give us your screenwriter origin story 
Um, oh boy, that sounds so much more epic than, uh, <laughs> than anything I'm actually like worthy of. Well, um, then we expect it to be epic, Ben, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a dark and dreary night in, uh, in November. It was, I believe, a fifth. Um, no, nothing That's like that. perfect. That's exactly what we want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, like most people, I really had a penchant for writing, like, from a very early age, but I wasn't really able to come to terms with that. So like for me, it all, it all started when I was like probably around eight years old when I was just like writing fanfic after fanfic of like a bunch of different video games I was playing. And, you know, obviously <laughs> like when you read something from like when you were like, pre- I-, I like to think of like, if you were like before 13 or 14 years old, just like throw it in a dumpster fire. As soon as yeah. you <laughs> because, um, so it really started from when I was an early age and I had always been a storyteller and I had always been kind of a performer because, um, well, you know, anybody that's in theater will tell, even if they haven't been in like a lot of community theater or anything like that, it's just like, Oh, of course they're going to, of course they're going to react like this. It's drama King time. <laughs> um, um, so it really kind of started, um, right around my senior year of high school, at least my, sort of inclination for like playwriting and screenwriting um except you know like most high schoolers i had no idea like what i was doing like at all um (laughs) so from there i i went into college with the idea that like if i can talk to enough people with like an actual idea of what i was trying to do it would sort of like magically work itself out um and i guess um, I guess my real like professional start, if you can even really call it that, was last uh, fall before you know the the pre-corona days, as <laughs> they as most historians would call it now. Um, I had my first fully uh, produced full-length show, um, which was you know as most playwrights and screenwrites or you know any kind of writer, if someone adapts your work, it's a very strange feeling going through with that for the first time. Absolutely. Congratulations, um, by the way, on, yeah, on that milestone. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it hasn't been published or anything like that, but the name of the show was called uh, The Boy Who Can Speak. And it was an autobiographical piece about basically about my life dealing with uh, autism and ADHD as a dual diagnosed learning disorder. And it was, a lot of it was autobiographical, but also a lot of it was like sort of this abstract treatment of uh, learning disability as a whole. And it made ADHD and autism like actual characters. Hmm. So that was kind of where I got my, my real start into it. And that's where like, I sort of got this bug to just keep writing and writing and writing. So I guess that kind of covers it. Cool. Yeah. No. No, that that's great. There's there's so many things in there that you said that I have I could speak on, but I'll I'll go <laughs> with the first one that entered my mind. Um, I, I find it so interesting because you know we ask this this question we ask to all of our guests who come on, and I feel like everyone has a moment of like you know the first couple years, the first however long I was writing, I hated it. I threw it all away. Never want to look at it again. And I just think that's mm-hmm. so interesting. That's that's kind of like an integral part of like the writer's journey is like the stuff that you start writing is going to be bad and it's okay that it's bad and you just have to keep writing and keep writing and it will get better. And I just, I love to hear that because yeah. I feel like everyone who we asked, it's like, yeah, don't read any of my early stuff because you'll hate it. 
it's like oh absolutely you know like that's probably true but it's so necessary that that's like yeah, that's definitely. that's such a cool part of the journey itself yeah. yeah, I like to think of it as uh, running my head into the brick wall and seeing, like, if any if any less blood keeps coming out of my head on the <laughs> neck attack. That's how I always think there of it any time I put out a terrible first draft of, like, literally anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, speaking of drafts, we'll get into some questions about the play specifically. Nice, Lauren. Good transition. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Pretty much all of the characters in the script, except for, you know, the the intern, I guess, like, we, we get a first name, but not a, not a real last name, you sure. know. Um, so you pretty much keep all of these characters nameless for the majority of the play, aside from, you know, the people that we are interviewing, like the Grand Dragon Charleston and um, the CEO of Bank of America. Mm-hmm. So um, what what were you hoping to accomplish by keeping these characters nameless? It's it's kind of a complicated well, that's that's like the most writerly thing I think I could ever say. And that it's, like it's a complicated, <laughs> it's a complicated question. Um, so I had this weird fixation with nameless characters because um, the last show that I had written and had fully produced, um, autism and ADHD were like masked, right? They were these nameless characters that walked around and, you know, they were these like abstract representations of a a thing that everyone knows and everyone knows exists, but they don't really know how to use language to describe it. So for the news cycle, for me, um, I had this really, like I had this really abstract idea of like this political discourse that I couldn't always put a name to. So it started as kind of a placeholder, but then the more I realized as I was writing it, I was like, it actually makes more sense, at least from, the thematic material that I'm talking about, if I can leave them nameless so that way it can relate to everyone. Everyone will know, like, everyone will know that, like, or at least the the goal is that everyone will know, like, this news anchor person is a representation of, like, moderate news media that, like, don't actually take a stand on literally anything. Mm -hmm. They just... They just go on based on what the advertisers want out of that news format. So, like, that was kind of the general idea behind it, if that, like, makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. That I does. I think sort yeah. of the effect that it had for us was, like, because they were nameless, that sort of gave us the clue that they were going to be almost, like, like satirical, caricaturish versions of these people. Mm-hmm. You know, that right. sort of let me say, oh, got it. It's, like, it's this type of person. Yeah. I also think there's something so interesting in like in naming something and like just the power of names in general. I feel like when you attach a name to to someone or something, it just it almost adds a layer of intimacy to it. And I think with this, you know, especially keeping a lot of these either caricatures um, with like, you know, even if you do kind of name like the Grand Charleston or the CEO of Bank of America, it's still very much removed. However, you have that moment where you have the person playing the anchor man or anchor woman, you have them state their real name. And I think they're the character who I obviously empathize the most with right. and who's sort of our lens for this whole thing. So we're, we're able to almost attach to them more than we are to the other characters, which I think is good because I don't think you want us to uh, humanize any of these other characters at right. all. Maybe Todd. I like Todd, but I, like Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I empathize with yeah. Todd for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, but yeah. Interesting. it's interesting, too, because one of the main inspirations that I took to heart uh, in the past, year, really the past like couple of years, um, after, especially after graduating from undergrad, was, uh, I'm not even going to pretend to know the original playwright's name, but uh, Everyman, like the Everyman trope. Yes, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely re- read that one a couple times, I think, in my undergrad career. <laughs> like, it it really stuck out to me because it was it, it was the first play that I had really read that was like a fully developed sort of Campbellian circle sort of play where like the main character is somebody that could literally be anybody. And it was just right. like such a, especially when it was like when you were reading it, it was very different than just like kind of being familiar with the trope. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the, the inspiration for why some of the characters went nameless too, I think. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely hear that. And yet, there's a slight diversion. There's a really cool, actually, sort of new adaptation of that play, um, Every Man. And I, I don't know. I think it's called Everybody or something. I'm, I might be butchering that. But essentially, there are five actors, and they each. I think pick a name out of a hat at the beginning of every show, and that's like the character they play that oh, day. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's like kind of a really cool. I think a really fun challenge yeah. as an actor, but just sort of yeah, an adaptation of that, which I thought I would mention. Yeah. Uh, so sort of back back to your uh back to your play. Um. So you know, of course, the issues in this are very dark and very serious, but you chose this uh, dark comedy kind of satirical, even farcical at times style. Um, so, so what was the motivation behind choosing this style as opposed to a more serious portrayal? It's, well, a lot of it has been based off of, you know, like, like we've been saying earlier, a lot of it had been based off of what I had been seeing in the news, but also a lot of it was based off of the things that were giving me a lot of inspiration, like my sort of artistic fuel, so to speak, mm-hmm. which God, that sounds pretentious, uh, <laughs> Um, I'd been watching a lot of, like, I'd been, I'd grown up on things like South Park, where it was, like, these very serious things were given, like, the most ridiculous characters to embody them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like the, what's his name? Mr. Hanky, like, singing about, like, like the, uh, like, the political miscegenation of America and, like, gentrification is, like, so dark but it's so funny yeah. because it's the literal turd singing about like the current state of like the american idea yeah, right yeah um i'd also been watching a lot of uh god i've been watching a lot of um things on like on uh like the docuseries the 13th oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which you know most of america had been watching for the past like couple weeks mm-hmm. you know and thankfully, it got a little more recognition than Tiger King. Um, <laughs> but I've been watching things like that. I've also been watching um, just like all kinds of like um, all kinds of like what people call fake news when really it's just, you know, a com- like a comedy station or like a comedian like going on and, you know, just saying really sad facts while trying to be funny about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so things like John Oliver, Hassan Minaj. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of like the the catalysts for like why I wanted to address that because I think humor is, and you know, it's kind of a cliche to say it now, but it's like humor is the greatest sort of disguise for the truth that the truth can put on. Mm -hmm. 
And that was that was kind of why I wanted to go in that direction as opposed to making it more of a tragedy because then at that rate, it's like, okay, we get it. Like, America's broken. Yeah. Can you please make us laugh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so that was that was kind of the that's kind of the reason why I wanted to lean that way as opposed to the other one. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think I think if you can show someone, hey, America is broken, and also make them laugh, I think that's almost makes them more open to to hearing hearing that America is broken or hearing whatever yeah. idea you're trying to say. So I I really like what you what you did with this. Yeah. Um. I I had an, I had an interesting or. <laughs> I don't want to say I had an interesting question. That's a that's I've <laughs> been gassing me up way too much, <laughs> much more than I deserve. But uh, yeah. so, do you think this story changes at all if the main character, Anchor Woman slash Anchor Man, is a man or a woman? Like, do you think the story changes depending on um, the actor that is playing them? And if so, why or why not? I think it's yeah. It's that is a really good question. Um, mm. Hmm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm really, really just buttering you guys up with these, uh, <laughs> these comments towards your questions. I mean, I now. guess we'll take it. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I, I tried to make the, whenever I try to make like any gender neutral character, it's like, I try to go into it as much as possible without like a predisposed image of the person. Mm-hmm. But, like, sometimes when I was writing it, especially because, in my opinion, like, 10-minute plays are so much harder than anything else. Um, they're very, very difficult yeah. to me. So, like, a lot of times I take a lot more time in deliberating, like, what this image of this character is. And so, like, the anchor person really sometimes, like, I almost felt like I was leaning into this feminine image, really. Mm. Especially because, like, anchor women, at least, like, in a lot of the sort of coverage of it i've seen like women have a t- like typically much harder time making it as an anchor person yeah yeah which i mean is true of most industries out there um so sometimes like i couldn't help but just imagine like if this was an anchor woman i think some of these things would read a little more mm-hmm. but other times it's it's kind of shown as this like man's world yeah. where it is like a lot of things in film and television and a bunch of industries like that. So I guess I would kind of say that I hope it wouldn't necessarily change too much, but I guess depending on, you know, God willing, if anybody ever actually performed it, it <laughs> would change probably. Yeah. Just because, you know, actors are just, they're such, you know, just like unique, wonderful little creatures <laughs> slash people. <laughs> See, you're buttering us up even more after wow. that. Laura, yeah. and I are, Laura and I are both actors. I don't know if we, or I guess you, if if you've listened, you've probably heard us talk about it. But um, yes, that that was a hundred percent. Well, perfect. <laughs> Th- thank you very much. Then consider me buttered. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting, and I think it was partially because you know, for our reading of this, Lauren's gonna be the one playing uh, anchor woman. Yes. But one of, one of the lines that stuck out to me that I think would make a big difference on if the character was played by a man or a woman. The line where um, Ken Lewis, or CEO of Bank of America, says, really great looking suit you've got on for your first broadcast, by the way. And I think that line... That could either be creepy, or it could be, like, you know, man-to-man, great looking suit. And I also think, you know, recently, I mean, not like in the, like this week, but in the past couple of months, we saw Bombshell, the the yeah. the movie well, that, that was sort of more than a couple months ago. We into... saw that in a movie theater. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> Ages. Oh, really? E- eons ago when we saw Bombshell in the movie theater. But I, I think, you know, seeing that sort of informed, you know, just thinking about that. And, and like you said, it almost, you know, it almost gives uh, an anchor woman more of an uphill battle to climb yeah. than potentially like an yeah. anchor man, which I think is an interesting aspect of the story that I think kind of is there just because of the identity potentially of the person playing it. Sure, yeah. I'm going to act like I did that intentionally. Well, <laughs> we'll cut that wow, out. You amazing. did it. Incredibly, incredible that you <laughs> yeah. did that completely intentionally. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about the ending. So mm-hmm. obviously the anchor person... Spoiler alerts for right, anyone well, who I hope you solely skip the skips play. Yeah, the actual um, play. But so, somebody hasn't made it to that part of the podcast. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. So the anchor person stands up to the man and gets swiftly taken care of, right? So they get uh, tranquilized and are replaced by someone who is uh, the same as Anchor Woman or Anchor Man 1, except hair is a slightly different color. So uh, what were you trying to say with this? And is standing up to the man hopeless? <laughs> That's really the question that we need to know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a, it's such a downer. I, 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 Sometimes I just end a lot of my plays on downers, and sometimes I'm like, wow, you're really, you're just really sad today, aren't you? <laughs> um, uh, it, I think it's only hopeless when we continue to embolden the system that allows us, that allows it to do that, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the idea is, you know, like, the anchor person stands up to the production manager and, like, you know, the sort of forces that be in that world. And, you know, they just get carted off away. And it's like, well, that didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I guess the general idea is, like, in short, yes, it's hopeless. But it's only hopeless if we allow it to continue going on for longer than necessary. Because, like, the idea is, like, that easily, like, that anchor person could have easily just stood up and said, you know what? No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be a part of this really awful charade of truth telling because you know like it i i'm standing up for like what i see as the objective truth and at any point they could have opted to walk away from it and just not participate in it anymore and actively try to deconstruct it in mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. like either by getting a job somewhere else or you know like starting something on their own or like calling for like active change but because they kept like you know, going with the idea of like, oh, I can be, you know, I can be like the next like Walter Conkright or like somebody that everybody in America trusts, mm-hmm. like something will change. But obviously, if you keep if you keep feeding the animal that's going to eat you and just acting like it's not going to eat you, you're in for a very rude awakening. It's mm-hmm. like kind of the idea that I wanted to go for. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, it's very much up to. The re- like it's very much up to the reader, the audience, whoever might see it as like it's either hopeless or it could be hopeful, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Because it also falls on the on the uh, on the onus of the next anger person to actually do something about it. Yeah. So we're gonna get into some questions about you yeah. as a human. Just, just you. Oh boy. Yeah. Hope you're prepared mentally, yeah. emotionally. All of that. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really gripping the uh, the armchairs that I'm in right <laughs> now. Good. Good. 
so first off, when you emailed us, you said that you weren't a seasoned writer. Which, so, which by the way, I think is so interesting because just hearing you talk about this and especially, you know, reading your work, it like feels like you are. But I'll let Lauren <laughs> continue. But so we were wondering, what do you think makes a writer seasoned? Is it age? Is it experience? Is it chili powder? Like, what, what are we working with? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a mix of garlic powder and, uh, uh, you know, like a basic fil- like philosophical amount of decency. Okay, cool. Um, I'll write that down, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we cracked yeah. the code, it's, folks. It, I, I like to think of it as my sequel for uh, chicken noodle for the uh, chicken noodle uh, soup for the soul. There you go. Um, um, it's, I had this, it's, it's sort of an, that was a very, like, insecure thing when I emailed that, by of the course. way. Like, that was very much like... Well, these people know more about what I'm talking, uh, more <laughs> know more about what they're talking about than I do. That's, like, that's, I a, that's like, a good one, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's this very like this very insecure idea that like because I haven't been like produced at like the Rogers Theater, it's like oh, I haven't like really been around the block just yet. Yeah. Um, but it's also like based on just the fact that like I've really only had like one like like one or two shows really produced. So it's like that kind of like really insecure idea, but it's also like based on the fact that like, I like, I really haven't had like a ton of feedback on my work because like most writers, I am terrified of mm-hmm. like when anybody that I like remotely admire reads my stuff yeah. and it's like, Oh God, they're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is why so, like, I'm an actor now and like... I don't read anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, that's kind of where that was coming from. Um, to me, though, if it's, like, if it's something that's, like, a little bit more about craft rather than, like, commercial success, Mm -hmm. it's really about, like, what instincts that writer sort of embodies and, like, what they're actually talking about, whether or not that writer is, like, really going after anything of substance and something that they really know about Hmm. is kind of, like, it's kind of what I view yeah. as something that makes a writer really seasoned. I mean, the writer could literally be talking about like a playwright or screenwriter or, you know, anybody that's like writing a WordPress blog, <laughs> like they could be talking about anything, but as long as they're passionate, they clearly have done research and also like follow, not like these really old archaic rules, but at least they like know like what makes a piece or a text like, somewhat dynamic then i consider that you know consider that a a well-seasoned writer absolutely yeah absolutely well i feel like you sound pretty seasoned to me yeah it's you you said so many things in that that like just hits home i feel like for me and i'm sure for you too lauren as just like just general insecurities of artists that it's like it's so hard because like you know I, I mean, we've we've both gotten a couple gigs while we've been out here in L.A. And, you know, have both have been... Lauren's been doing it for longer than I have acting, but have been doing it for what equates to a decent amount of time, I yeah. would say. But it, it, it's still so hard to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I call myself like an actor. Like, if someone asks, what do you do? It's right, like, do yeah. I say that? Because that, like, I do that and I work towards that, but that's not necessarily how I make all of my money right now. 
or is it like, yeah. you know, because that's what I'm passionate about and that's what I am, I just go for it. And it, it also feels like so pretentious sometimes. Be like, right. what are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm an actor. Too. Yeah, especially, yeah. Yeah, especially it's just like, if you haven't At what point do you that. feel like you're qualified? You know, it's like, do you have to have an Oscar? Like, do you, yeah. you know... And even then, it, even yeah. then. Yeah, do you, do you have to be like Stella Adler's like seventh removed <laughs> grandchild? Exactly. It, yeah, it's like, especially because like during the pandemic, like right after I graduated from undergrad, it's like, it's like this really scary idea of like, well, I have a theater degree. <laughs> that's cool, I guess. Yep. yep. <laughs> like, that's, you are preaching what? to the choir, man. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's it's so it's interesting too, and you know uh, this this has just sparked a whole a whole uh, thing something inside of me for sure. But there, there's that whole issue of yeah. like just accessibility and things like that, and just generally like someone could have been writing for such a long time, and you know just either based off of you know just not even bad circumstances just like normal circumstances just haven't been able to you know have anyone pick up their work or get it produced or get cast in something whatever or like you don't have a parent who is already a giant producer well that's exact that's exactly (laughs) what i'm saying you know someone who could have just written a a a play out of the blue first time ever but their dad's like a yeah like a big time producer or something like that and just immediately get picked up so it's just you know it's there's that gray area there it's like how do you how do you do that but yeah. you know, we we the green light podcast deem you officially a writer, Ben. If that <laughs> We're knighting uh, you. My, yeah. heart, my heart's a flutter. <laughs> Beautiful. You are now Sir Ben Howard. Yes, yes. Oh god. Um, don't Okay, I'll, don't don't insult everybody else in the order of like whatever knights do that <laughs> It's it's they'd be rolling in their graves. Yeah. <laughs> Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Ben Howard. That's the that's the th- order. Mm. That's it. <laughs> um Oh man. So a little less serious question we have for you here uh so you uh when you emailed us you told us that you went to college in arkansas just like yeah just like tell us about arkansas like have you been to the ozarks like have you you watched watched ozark Ozark? like what 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 can we glean from arkansas from you sir um well let me tell you right now i have not watched a single episode of ozark me neither so but i can safely tell you that uh Everything that you know about cocaine de- dealers is like 50% true and 50% eh, maybe okay. um, in regards to the Ozark. Sure. Um, it's, no, it's like, it's actually really interesting. Like it's, I actually, so I, I interned at uh, this theater company in uh, Massachusetts and I'm going to leave them, going to leave them unnamed because I don't know how much they want me to shout them out. Sure. Um, but I, I interned there and I, I worked with a lighting designer who uh, who's asking me like a, who's like asking our crew like a couple of questions and he like got to me and he was like, So where are you from? I was like, Oh, I'm from Arkansas and he had keep in mind he had been like talking mad trash about like most of the South. So hmm. I'm like the only person from the South Oof. in this like whole crew. Yeah. And so he was like, Oh, Arkansas, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've been to uh, Fayetteville and Fayetteville, keep in mind, is a lot like Fayetteville, uh, I think Fayetteville, North Carolina, yeah, actually. Yeah, there's a Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, where it's, it's sort of considered this, like, liberal mecca, where it's, like, everybody from, like, all walks of life walks around and kind of, like, does their, you know, like, their own thing. Sure, and, like, sure. you know, kind of just exists as a general human being. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it's, like, these weird little, like, liberal meccas surrounded by, like, the rest of these, like, 
sort of not like I don't want to say like stranded or like Mad Max Theory Road kind of towns because <laughs> like that's not entirely fair. Yeah. But it's like these like people that kind of always look at them with this like weird skepticism. Yeah. Of like, what really? You're in our state? <laughs> don't don't you belong like somewhere up north? Yeah. Um. So that's kind of what it's like, but it, you know, it's it's beautiful, like pretty much everywhere else in the south, mm-hmm. minus the uh, the fact that the Klan was born in Arkansas. Oh, um, good. We love that. Uh, yeah. They, yeah, we 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 love good old Harrison, Arkansas. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Um. That's it's it's cool because yeah. Lauren and I when we when we made our trip because we're originally from North Carolina so when we moved out to LA um, a little less than a year ago I guess at this point um, I, I guess a little more than a year for me a little less for Lauren yeah but uh, we drove through Arkansas and we, we, stayed, we, we in stayed in Little, little Rock, Rock. Um, so oh, yeah. I don't know how close that is to where you are from or where you went to college but that is the extent of our Arkansas, Arkansas knowledge, knowledge. <laughs> oh yeah. Good old. Did you uh, did you manage to see the uh, the Bill Clinton Presidential Museum at all? No, we really. We honestly, uh, we. I mean, we spent the night in Little Rock. We didn't really make any stops in Arkansas. Yeah, we we got to Arkansas at like nine p.m. and left at like nine a.m. So it was it was pretty in and out. You know, you know, if you depending on who you ask, that's the perfect amount of time to spend. (laughs) Well, there you Um, go. Then we we would never need to go there again. Good to know. (laughs) Thank you, Ben. I was. I was just going to say, really no trip. Like, you can't really get an idea of what the state is actually like until you see the Bill Clinton Museum. Hmm. Because if you actually go and look at it from the side on uh, the Arcan- or the Mississippi River, like right next to the Junction Bridge that, like, kind of connects the whole town, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it from a profile, it really does just look like a, um, a trailer house, just, like, leaning <sighs> over... And it's so funny because, like, you know, you don't think that when you look at it head on and, you know, when you, like, go in the museum and you're, like, walking around and, you you know, you're learning, like, a lot about this, like, period of American history, it was designed by a guy in India. Like, it was this very famous Indian modern architect. Wow. And he was like, yeah, you know, I took the best of modern architecture and I applied it. And he basically made a uh, trailer house. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, that was that was that was awesome. We do, however, have a few rapid-fire questions that we're going to throw out to you. Now, these questions are quick. That doesn't mean that they're easy. All right, so first one. Oh, boy. Are you an early bird or are you a night owl? <sighs> Definitely night owl. Mm. I get so irritable when I wake up anytime before 9.30 or 10. <laughs> yep. get very angry. Yeah. Same. See, I feel like I used to be a night owl. But I feel like I'm becoming more of an early bird just because, like, life has forced me into it through, like, jobs and things like that. But I don't know. I still like staying up late. Like, yeah. I feel like that's where I, I originate from. <laughs> yeah. You just feel like a kid, man. You just yeah. gotta live that youth. There you go. Exactly. Uh, so, hot dogs or hamburgers? <sighs> mm. that's, that is a hard one. Um, Probably hamburgers. Mm. I don't really know where hot dogs have been most of the time. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the correct answer. I ate hot dogs way too much as a kid, and I think it, like, spoiled them for me. Because, mm. like, now I, like, if I can avoid hot dogs, I probably will. Like, I'm sure. always going to choose a hamburger. I've had some very good hot dogs in my day in uh, Chillicothe, Ohio. Mm. But um, <laughs> for the most part, you know, I feel like most of the time when you get hot dogs, like, there just isn't that much variety of stuff you put on a hot dog. Yeah. As opposed right. to all the options you have with a burger. Sure. A boyga. 
I will say, if you don't eat a hot dog in Chicago, you're you're just you're not doing it right. Fair. You are just not living life to the fullest. I, and I've never had a Chicago dog, so I guess put an asterisk by my answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? Ooh, animal. Mm-hmm. Um, my, you know, it's funny. My theater has my theater. Like my, I had, we've actually talked about a lot of this within like my close group of friends. Like we've always been like, oh, what. Like, what animal are you, like, feeling today in your, like, weird, like, temporal soul sure, or whatever? Sure. Like, what are you feeling? But one day, like, it really just stuck with me. My uh, my theater professor, like, my theater, uh, I think it was, like, my uh, my movement professor mm-hmm. at one point was just like, I think you're a flamingo. Oh. You move entirely with your knees and your legs. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, that's going to stay with me for way too long now. Absolutely. Oh, That'll that's be great. The thought I use my dying breath for. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a flamingo. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the ground like one. Exactly. <laughs> all all knees and legs. That's awesome. That's great. There is a test online that uh, I used to get everyone to take. That was like, what animal are you? I think it's animalandyou.com or something like that. So if if you would like to take that at some point, That's that resource good. is available for you. Yeah. Maybe we'll put it in the description. Oh. We'll put we pro- actually yes, we're gonna put <laughs> the animal and you quiz in the description for sure. There we go. <laughs> Jumping off of that. <laughs> Um, what is your opinion on peeing in the pool? Are you pro or against it? Oh, man. If you... <laughs> this guy sounds so gross. Um, don't get caught. Mm. Um, hmm. If you do, if you do, you have to be publicly shamed. Okay. And you have to, like, what's... What's that? What's that bit from Monty Python where he like rings the bell and he like points at people and he's like shame? Oh yeah, like, yeah. That's that. That's what I think should be the proper social system behind that. Where it's like if you do it, just you know, be low key, be sneaky about it. Huh? Be, be and cunning. if you're gonna pee in water, go to a beach. Yes. Yeah. The, see. Yeah. I see. I feel like that's a different thing. Like I'm much more okay with someone peeing in a lake or like a, or the in ocean. the ocean. Lot, because lot it's not gallons. like a yeah. small contained area that just like circulates over and over, you know, yeah. like someone else probably isn't going to swim in your pee if it's in the ocean or yeah. in a lake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some some of our housemates will be very happy about your answer. However, I will say yeah. that we, we've had <laughs> we've had many a discussion about <sighs> about the ethics of that. So <laughs> I will say it, uh, there's only one instance that I think the capital uh, the capital punishment system should use against yeah and that's people who poop in the pool okay that Amen. yep yep, yep. <laughs> that 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 should be absolutely utilized they are a heartless monster that's a that's a crime no against hope. humanity either for that sure. or they're babies yeah <laughs> that's that's crazy and, in either case they gotta go yep. <laughs> sorry gotta go. <laughs> sorry young ones um so speaking of being young i guess what Ooh. is your favorite age that you have been oh my god um Definitely not eighteen. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, I kind of want to just. Most people don't say this, but I actually really liked being twenty-two. Interesting. You know, me too. I don't know about you, you right but now. I'm feeling twenty-two. I'm feeling twenty-two. Oh no. Um, yeah, like it's weird because it's like when you turn twenty-one, especially if you're like really boring, like I am sometimes. <laughs> it's like you don't want to just do all this like 
weird stuff that people do when they're drunk. Sure. So it was like, I'm going to take my time on this. But then like when I hit 22, it was like, okay, all, all social rules no longer exist. <laughs> it is time to start day drinking. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's what college is done. <laughs> once you hit the, once you hit the level of um, unashamedness where you're like, yep, day drinking, we're doing it today and no one's going to tell me no. I think that's a good age. <laughs> that's a, that's a yep. good age. <laughs> That's when, that's when you know you've, you've reached, like, the peak in your life. Yes, sir. That's when you know. Unfortunately, it's all downhill from here. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, that is our last question. That was it. So, that definitely went longer than we uh, originally planned, and we did yeah. start a little late. I, but thank you so much for hanging in there. Yeah. No, thank you. Sorry, I just, I, I'm, it's probably because I, I, whenever, like, someone's like, all right, real simple question, it's like, okay, let's do the opposite of that. No, <laughs> you're fine. You're we fine. have, we have so much. This is, this is awesome. We loved all your answers. We, we had a really good time. I don't have yeah, a really good thank time. you so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I had fun, too. Yeah, all right. So, if you are interested in producing the news cycle, or if you want to hear more of Ben's work, his email will be in the description of this episode. And yeah, thanks again so much. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thank you. Alrighty, bye. Bye. All right, see ya. Hey, everybody, thank you again for listening to this episode of the Green Light Podcast. Thank you to our writers who came on. Thank you to our actors who came on. We love you all. Make sure to like us and follow us on our various social media pages, TGL underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter, and... At GreenLightPod on Facebook. Thank you, Lauren. Knew I was going to forget if she didn't say it. <laughs> and if you want to hear your play, screenplay, or music on this podcast, feel free to send all of those submissions to tglsubmit at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Patreon now. Yay! Yay! So if you can, if you want to, if you love us enough, please support us <laughs> on Patreon. Link in the description to everything that you heard in our description. Links in our description. And if yes. you want to make a one-time donation, uh, just out of the goodness of your heart, mm-hmm. then you can make those at tglsubmit at gmail.com on PayPal. Yes, once again, link in the description. Mm-hmm. And if you love this podcast, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Helps us move up the charts. Helps our podcast reach more people. Yes. Alrighty. Thank you so much again. Yes, and we... thank you so much to Nicholas Bafia for the sound equipment. Love you, Nicholas Bafia. We love you. And we love you all. Goodbye. <laughs>